All of the newest episodes of Note to Self are now available on the Luminary Podcast app. It's free to download, and you can also listen to other podcasts from WNYC Studios like Radiolab, Two Dope Queens, Snap Judgment, Here's the Thing with Alec Baldwin, and others. Luminary Premium is the only place where you can enjoy the entire new season of Note to Self, plus new original podcasts you won't find anywhere else from Trevor Noah, Roxanne Gay, Guy Raz, Lena Dunham, and many more. And you can enjoy them ad-free. Start your free trial by going to luminary.link slash note to self or download the Luminary app for free. Listener supported. WNYC Studios. Hello, friend. This is an episode of Note to Self, but from when we used to be called New Tech City. Same good content, just the old name. Enjoy. There is a land without Facebook. There is a land without Twitter. This land has something maybe better. The app is called WeChat, and the land is China. And it's on the way to potentially messing with the marriage of my colleague, Stephen Nesson. Stephen is a reporter here at WNYC. He lived in China for four years, and that's where he met his wife-to-be. They recently set up house together here in New York. But for the last few months, all has not been bliss. Hey, Bab. What are you doing, Bab? This is Stephen trying to get his wife Dana's attention. What are you doing? He's just finished washing the dinner dishes. Silence. She's not giving him the cold shoulder. Dana has been virtually sucked out of their apartment and into the world of WeChat, a Chinese app that has given her a lifeline back to her homeland and helped her stay a part of the Chinese community. But before we hear why it is the Chinese app of choice and how it's starting to spread in the U.S., here's how WeChat entered Stephen's life. Around Chinese New Year in January... My wife and I are at the supermarket, but this isn't just any supermarket. This is the massive one at the top of the mall in Chinatown in Flushing, Queens. This place is kind of a madhouse, and it's the kind of place I want to get out of as fast as possible. But all of a sudden, my wife stops in her tracks at this kiosk called Farm Style Deli. That's in English. In Chinese, it says Harbin Food. All there is is about a dozen sausages hanging and in coils. Dana, my wife, she's getting really excited. Because that's her hometown, Harbin. And they are fiercely proud of their sausages. So she rushes up close and snaps some photos with her iPhone. And instead of moving on so we can get our shopping done and get out of there, she's posting them online right there in the store amongst this crazy crowd. And I'm like, who is going to see what you're posting? It's 4 a.m. in China. But sure enough, within minutes, she's getting responses from her friends. And our shopping trip is taking twice as long as it needs to. So that's my little slice of hell. I asked Dana later if she thinks she has a problem. It's not addiction. I check WeChat <laughs> in store, not because I'm addicted to it, only because I found something my WeChat friends would like. I guess she's not the only one addicted. To put it in context, WeChat, or Weixin as it's called in Mandarin, was released three years ago. Now, there are about 300 million users. That's the same number of people who use Skype worldwide, and that was founded over a decade ago. But WeChat is dominating China, 
And now it's attempting to spread into other countries. The thing is, this is only a tool for you to communicate. You always have a choice to decide whether they will take over your life or not, right? I'm standing in New York's other Chinatown in Manhattan. It's a sunny, warm Saturday, and I'm outside the Golden Unicorn, a multi-story dim sum restaurant, the kind of place with the carts that go around. And there's a long line to get in. So I go up to three guys who are waiting. They're all glued to their phones, and sure enough, they're all on WeChat. I meet 24-year-old Paul Chen. He's a graduate student at Fordham University. And I ask him how many hours a day he spends on WeChat. Ten hours. Okay, that's added up a little bit here, a little bit there. But like my wife, it's the only social media app that he uses. <laughs> I don't know, because all my friends are using it, so... I know. So if I'm not using it, I can only call or text my friends. But using WeChat is more convenient, I would say. Right here, we should explain WeChat's features a bit more. It's kind of like the kitchen sink of apps. You can text, send videos, use it like a walkie-talkie. You can be both public and private on it. What most Americans are using five apps to do, WeChat does in one. Has it uh, had any bad effects on your life? Uh, I mean, you can be kind of addicted to it. You, 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 can, you can stop looking at it. So I head down the street and I stop at the Silk Road coffee shop. I see a guy in the window, also glued to his phone. It's Jun Soon. He's a 25-year-old pianist studying at Juilliard, also from China. He says he checks his WeChat every 20 minutes. Yeah, basically, because, like, even my mom is using it, you know, so all the family members, friends, you know, the Chinese community, they're using it. So, like, as a, you know, member in the society, I have to use that. Ah, this journey is making me hungry. In a minute, we're going to take on the elephant in this podcast, censorship. We go to China and Marketplace's China correspondent, Rob Schmitz. Plus, how government policy actually helped this tech company grow and another reason why this app is just so addictive. You are a hot, smoky, hot lady, I think. The, your, your possibility for their replies is higher. New Tech City is supported by LegalZoom. If you've been thinking about starting your own business, LegalZoom can help you do it. Learn more about DBAs, LLCs, incorporation, trademarks, and other ways to protect your business and assets at LegalZoom.com. LegalZoom provides self-help services and can connect you with an attorney, but they're not a law firm. Enter technology in the referral box at checkout for a special discount for New Tech City listeners. Hover, helping you get the best domain names along with all the tools and support you need to manage them. When you want to get your ideas on the internet, Hover will help you find the right domain name to personalize your blog, business, portfolio, or cat videos. For 10% off your first purchase, go to Hover.com and type in the promo code WIREDUP. Okay, we're back on our journey to understanding WeChat and what makes it the Chinese app of choice. And on the line with me now is Rob Schmitz, and he reports for Marketplace from China, usually in Shanghai. Hi, Rob. Hey, Manish. So, Rob, you know, as somebody who's living there, how do you see it that WeChat became so popular so fast? You know, I think the the big reason it's popular is is actually boils down to simple economics. Um, as of yet, you don't pay for texting over WeChat. 
this may change at some point because you know China's big state-owned telecoms companies have been losing a lot of money to WeChat and are looking to formulate some payment system for using the app over their networks. But as of now, it's free and it's really, really popular. Uh, Chinese people have been ditching you know, Weibo, China's version of Twitter, in droves and are now primarily using WeChat to connect with each other. Yeah, so free is usually a, a great way to get people to use it then, really, right? <laughs> right. No, it's, it's not bad when things are free in China. But in terms of comparing them to the U.S., the Chinese have a relatively long history with texting, right? Absolutely. Uh, you know, texting, it's, it's funny, you know, the, you know the, the, the parent company of WeChat, Tencent, uh, which is the, you know, the largest internet company in China, the fifth largest in the world, it had this uh, app called QQ uh, a long time ago, starting in 1998. And People used it instead of using, you know, their texting on their cell phone. And because people were on the move a lot, there were a lot of migrant workers moving around the country. Um, It became very, very popular. You know, QQ still has around 800 million users, if you can fathom that. And it it was something that showed many Western Internet companies the sheer scale of of what was possible in China. And so was that like a person's phone number or a QQ number that you had? At that time, a lot of people were changing phone numbers constantly because in China at the time, you would buy uh, SIM cards. You know, depending on where you lived, you might buy a new one. And so people were going through a lot of phone numbers. And, you know, during that sort of tumultuous time, people could always have the same QQ number. And so that was a reliable way to get a hold of uh, your friends and family. Now, of course, the thing that we always hear over here in the States is about government monitoring, censorship. Is there a difference between how the government censors WeChat versus the other ones? Well, it's definitely happening over Weibo and it's definitely happening over WeChat. You know, part of the reason WeChat is so popular is that the people who are your friends on the app uh, and who see your posts are the same people who are stored in your contacts on your smartphone. So it's limited to close friends and family. So this is not something that really allows you to post a profound or political thought for all the world to see like, you know, like you do on Weibo or Twitter. It's a practical and more intimate way of communicating. So naturally, it's not as politically sensitive as Weibo because you're not going to have tens of thousands of people reposting exponentially something intriguing that you've posted. That said, Tencent is a Chinese company, and by Chinese law, its servers are subject to search, seizure, and censorship for really any reason by China's government. Uh, Some people I know have had their WeChat post deleted uh, because of political content. A few weeks ago, I was actually curious about this, so I sent a message over WeChat to a Chinese colleague, and I wrote something that would certainly be deleted over Weibo. I texted to her, long live the Dalai Lama, uh, just to see (laughs) if it would go through. And uh, it it, it actually actually did go through, and we were both a little surprised by that. Okay, so you answered what was going to be my final question is, do you use WeChat? <laughs> I do. Uh, and and I use it because a lot of my Chinese friends are using it. Um, I, I'm, a, I'm a father. I've got two children. One of them is in a Chinese school, and the Chinese parent group has a huge group on WeChat that I'm connected to. Um, it, it's very practical for my life. Awesome. Rob Schmitz from Marketplace, thanks so much for your time. Thank you. So that's the view from China. But back here in New York, I asked Stephen Nesson what else he'd heard about how the Chinese government decides to censor which apps. I met up with Jason Ng. He's a research fellow at the University of Toronto Citizen Lab. He's doing research in New York right now. He studies internet censorship in China. And he says that summer crackdown, 
You remember when the government suspended the Weibo accounts, the other large Chinese social media? He says that was actually a boon to WeChat. And the thing is, Weixin wasn't as tightly censored, as, seemingly, apparently at the time, as it was on Weibo, due in part pr- perhaps to a very intentional uh, you know, decision by authorities to say, all right, we're going to let this space happen uh, because we want to see this company and this platform grow. We want to see it maybe try and you know, reach out internationally, and we don't want to besmirch it with this uh, sense of censorship. But even that didn't last long. A few weeks ago, he says the account of the 50 most popular users on WeChat was suspended. That's like shutting down the most prominent verified users on Twitter. But Ng says this isn't a death blow to WeChat either. Certainly, it's another sign that the governments are aware of the types of discourse that are taking place, and they're monitoring everything. So in his quest to understand his wife's new obsession with her phone, Stephen's journey took him to both of New York's Chinatowns. He talked to researchers and other addicts. And then, finally, he actually had to get on WeChat himself. And the first thing he did was try out the kind of weird feature that helps you meet strangers nearby. Grinder fans, you know what I'm talking about. So standing in Chinatown on a busy street with my wife... I tried it. I went under the Discover section. Tap the button, shake the phone. A face and a name appear. That's 700 yards away. It's a little far, but the user's name is Barefoot, and the photo is a barefoot in a shower. So I try to contact this person and send a message in Chinese that I'm a reporter and I'd like to chat. Nothing. Let's try that again. You have one new great message from uh, someone in Libya. What did they say? It's in Arabic, I don't know. Using Google Translate, I look up this name, and it translates to upscale. So I ask upscale, how's the weather in Libya? He says he's in Italy, and then things take a weird turn, and he begins sending a series of icons and little graphics. A man drinking alone, a gold bar... Two cigarettes. I say, looks like you've had a few. He replies with a picture of Libyan dictator Muammar Gaddafi and a picture of Gorbachev. And he writes, looks like you've had a few. Now, this feels like I walked into the wrong chat room or like chat roulette. So I search for dedicated WeChatters to help me understand what I'm doing wrong. And I run into Ray Lee. He's a graduate student at NYU. I ask him if he has any advice. Lee immediately knows what the problem is. If you put a very gorgeous, hot, smoky, hot lady's feet, uh, profile in, on it, I, I think they will reply you as soon as possible. <laughs> what do you think of mine? My photo is a black and white headshot taken at MoMA. Uh, <laughs> it's good, it's good, it's good. That's me. Yeah, I know, it's good. Yeah. It's cool. But if you are a hot, smoky, hot lady, I think they, your, your, your possibility for their replies is higher. Trisha Wang is a global tech ethnographer. One of my research findings of what people are using WeChat for is to hook up. And there's a lot of ONS, which is shorthand for one night stands, which is what Chinese youth call it. We met at a cafe, and she told me she thinks WeChat is interesting, not because it may be the next biggest app in China, and not because the Chinese censors are cracking down on the most popular users. Those angles don't do it for her. You know, both angles are missing the amazing social interactions that are happening between strangers and what this is enabling and how it's enabling Chinese youth to completely change the way they interact with their social circles and expand their networks. Like in many cultures, she says, 
Sometimes it's just hard to meet people. Part of the social conditions of China that youth are raised, it makes it hard for youth to、uh, take the initiative to meet new people. This app allows them to do that in ways that are very low risk. Okay, so Stephen, your wife isn't using the hookup feature, but it does sound like it's a it's an app that has something for every generation. Do you feel, after having been on this journey, that you have a better understanding as to why your wife? Okay, she won't call it an addiction, but you have. I do get it. You do need to have this sort of lifeline back to your friends when you're living overseas. And if this is the one that all the Chinese community is using, then this is your lifeline. I mean, let's let's admit it. Then it might have made your transition into matrimonial harmony easier in that she doesn't feel cut off, right? She feels like some sort of connection to the motherland. It's true. Without many Chinese friends in New York, it is a nice connection to have. Now, what about you guys? Are you communicating with WeChat? When she's not on Gmail, she's not answering emails. I'll just send a quick message. Do you need me to pick up any bananas? And she replies she pretty rep- quick. <laughs> she replies. I love it. So we want to ask you, listening: Do you or your people have an app other than the usual suspects like Facebook or Twitter that is taking over, that's bringing you and your community together, or that is just plain addictive? Tell us at newtechcity.org. I'm Anoush Samarodi. Thank you so much, Stephen Nesson, and your long-suffering wife. Thank you. We'll see you next week. Just put oh hi what's up and, and stuff what, like that. And what do they say?、Uh, well, obviously most of them they don't reply. So.